Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I mean, those we need are refreshing from time to time in the presence of the Lord. We're so thankful and so appreciate the grace of God for helping us in times whenever it seems kind of dry and sparse and going through them deserts and valleys, but he's always there. He's always there to help us. God bless you. Let's turn today, if you would, to the book of Romans, chapter 8. <clears throat> Certainly missed you while we was gone. Heard y'all had some good services. Brother Terry being here last Sunday, and then Brother Joe here Wednesday night. Certainly appreciate what the Lord is doing, don't we? Amen. Amen. Romans, chapter 8, and then we want to read Ephesians 1, 9, and then 2 Timothy 1, 9. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose, not our purpose or Mama's purpose, but His purpose. Now, I'm convinced that there's many things about the purpose of God I don't understand. I'll go ahead and say it for probably everybody else here, you don't either. There's things that I think probably are the purpose of God, and they don't happen, so that lets me know they were not the purpose of God. Because if God ever purposes one thing, there is not enough powers in all of hell to stop it. So we may think this is the purpose of God, or that's the purpose of God, but if it doesn't happen, it wasn't the purpose of God. I'll prove that to you. Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be not just the only one, but what the firstborn among many brethren. Ephesians 1, 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. I'm not sure where we think this great thing is that we did. Actually, the church existed in the mind of God before she was ever created in time. The church existed in the mind of God before she was ever created in time. Verse 11. And whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh just the easy things or just the good things or the things that are not very hard and difficult, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Second Timothy 1.9 who hath saved us and called us with unholy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. I don't know if you ever noticed it or not, but Paul was very 
unusual in the way that he addressed the Lord Jesus. Peter addressed the Lord Jesus more in the format of Jesus Christ. The four gospel writers did exactly the same thing. But Paul was unique in saying Christ Jesus. You see, the apostles knew him as Jesus, and he became the Christ. But when Paul met him, he was Christ Jesus. The order by which you approach him tells a lot about where you are. So notice him, I don't know if you ever noticed this or not again either, but in most of his epistles, all of them actually except for Hebrews, Paul starts out with an unusual greeting. Paul, what a strange way to start your epistle to the, to the Corinthians, to the Philippians, to the Thessalonians. Paul, the apostle, Paul. So he started it out with himself. Now his father named him Saul, which was the name that was given to the first king of Israel. But after Paul got converted, he changed his name to a Gentile, which was one of the first ones he converted. Paulus, Publius Paulus. So Paul means the little one. The little one. A lot of us need that idea that we are the little ones. We're not big, we're not this, that, and the other as far as when it comes to that. We are the little ones. You see, when you embrace that, that you can see why he wouldn't start out his epistles with Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ. And say, why would he do that? Well, he's the little one. He's got it in order. Amen. How many like to be remembered today? How many wants to be little ones? Lord Jesus, how great you are. We are so grateful today, Father, that you have taken your word and invited us to come and dine. Sit at the great table of the King. Father God, as we have read from your scriptures, and we know that even though these things were written 2,000 years ago, yet to many they still stumble them. But we're so grateful that when we read them, it does not stumble us. It encourages it us. It gives us hope, faith, confidence in our Father's plan. We pray that you'd speak to us today by your word. Lord, may we, as Paul of old, think appropriately about ourselves. We know it's a great balance because we're born into a paradox when we get the new birth. And that is we must acknowledge every good thing that we are in Christ Jesus, but also able to bring the humanity level to that low spot, to know that the way up is actually down. Help us today, I pray, Father. May we leave this place today saying, did not our hearts burn within us? as he talked to us along the way. Granted, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you, you may be seated. <clears throat> Probably we could speak on our shihulim, 
our dowry that our Father has given us, if I could live to be 150 years old, and y'all could live that old with me, I don't think we could ever scratch, barely scratch the surface of all the great things that he's done for us. Not only to make us inheritors, but to give us an inheritance of such value and quality. But to bring it down to the dowry by which he would give us along our journey, that he would be so mindful of each and every one of us. Now, our needs today and our journey would be as diverse as the people who make up this congregation. And then you multiply that by thousands or maybe even millions around the world. And think of the people in China and their background. Think of the people in Thailand. Think of the people in Guam, of the people in Cambodia, of Laos, Vietnam, all the different parts of Africa, of Europe, and around the world. Each of them and their diversity. Each of them and their background and their makeup. And yet, our Father knows how to give to every one of us exactly that which we need. And He doesn't just give us the same thing every service, but He will modify it according to our particular needs from service to service. That's a loving Father. So He could have just given us the bare necessities and say, well, make, new, make do the best you can. I'm really busy up here in heaven. I'm creating all this gold, hanging all these gates, and I've really got a lot of things to do up here. But instead of doing that, he busies himself over us. Just something that would be, you and I might think, of so little value. A person that might have a dog or a cat or a gerbil or some kind of pet in their house and it gets sick. Some of the rest of us might think, you mean you would ask God about that? If it means something to you, it means something to him. Now, a lot of people don't relate to him in that way. They've got him so high, so holy, so far away that they think he would never be concerned about a mere animal. But I know of one possum in particular. Now, I'm not too aware of the possum families, okay? I've never really had too much dealings with possums. I particularly don't care for them. I've got scared by possums several times in my life, so me and possums aren't on really good terms. But I know of one possum that had some needs one day, and God sent her to the house of Elijah. Now, I'm sure it was quite dangerous where Elijah lived because he didn't live out on a farm. He didn't live on a ranch somewhere, but he lived in a neighborhood in a street that was well-traveled. But somehow God inspired this dumb, ignorant possum to be able to come to the house of Elijah. 
And when she was there, Elijah initially didn't even recognize what she was there for. But God in his mercy kept dealing and dealing until finally the old possum got her her need met. And as she started out the back door or out the back exit of Elijah's yard and she turned back around as if to say, thank you. Well, if a possum, which doesn't even have a soul, would be able to return thanks to God, I think we ought to be praising him every day, every night. There oughtn't to be a day in our life that we don't thank him for all that he's done for all of us. Now, you know, our Father knows that every one of us must feel that we are needed and that we are loved, and we are. Yet, because of our position, our placing in the body, there will be some who will never get a lot of great public recognition. There will be others that will be recognized early on in life, say if they're talented to be a a great singer or a musician or something like that. And their talent might gain them early recognition. They start singing as a, a wee little girl and people are able to recognize, boy, that little girl can sing and that little boy can sing or, you know, some child prodigy that gets up on a piano and they start playing and say, wow, look at that little guy, 11 years old. Look at how well he can be able to play. And that may be just the very beginning of a lifetime of recognition. But there may be others, and no matter how much they wish they could play, and they sat down and they can do, Mary had a little lamb, little lamb. And that's about the end of all they can do. And more than likely, don't be offended at me, but we'll probably not put you on the list in case Brother Larry can't make it. You'll not be second, third, or fourth, maybe 56th or 57th if there is nobody else. And that's just not that we dislike you, but it will be according to your God-given ability. But yet because God does not make you a piano player or a guitar player or a song leader or one who can get up and be able to pray, it doesn't mean that absolutely every one of us have a great value in the economy of God. And we know that the important thing is us being able to find our position in him and in the body that the Lord Jesus puts us in and being able to work in the perimeter of that body and be satisfied in what God has made us to be. Now for many that's a lifetime project. It's because that those who most of the time are called to be as we'd say in the limelight their whole life, they wish they wasn't. And many of those who wish they were, they deal with that their whole life wishing they could be more than what they are, greater than what they are, greater recognized than what they are. And those who are there wish they had it because they don't want it. So they wish with all of their heart. Those of you that wish you was in the line, light, they wish you had the line and the light. And lemons if you want it. 
whatever you want, because they themselves, a God-called person, does not want to be there. Now, those who want to preach, those who want to do this and that and the other, nine times out of 10, they are not called now, and they won't be 300 years down the road because they want to so bad, it's a telltale sign, God will never use them. Amen. But it doesn't mean that every one of us has a divine purpose of God. Now, whenever we look at that, it's so easy for us to become either discouraged or become elevated in our thinking according to what we think God has called us to do. Our program many times is not his program. His thoughts are higher than ours. His ways are higher than ours. And God chooses to use people that will minister in a great way to other people in the body, and yet nobody may ever know they're doing it. They will be able to do it in such a way and because they do it. Now there's people that will minister to others financially and they'll, they'll tell a deacon, uh, give this to brother so-and-so and give this to so-and-so and maybe $50, $100, whatever it is. But they don't want nobody to know it. They don't want anybody to know who's doing it or whatever and they just want to help other people. And other people may look at them and say, well, look here, they've got money and they do this and that. And I never hear of them doing this. I never hear of them and then we judge them by what we hear and what we think we know about what they do. Well, then people are doing exactly what Jesus said about don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. But every one of us have a great position in Christ Jesus. And the church said, Amen. we have a purpose, and this is part of our shuluhim, our dowry in this life that our Father gives us. And if we can, by revelation, find that place, my, what a great peace that it brings us as the people of God. Listen to this. The prophet said, now, there's a time that a man can come to a place where he can have a purpose. It's something that will change him. A man can never be the same if he ever meets God face to face. Noah had no certain purpose in life. Now remember I read to you this a couple weeks ago that Abraham had no certain purpose in life. Now I've met many great people that actually in, in the kingdom of God that before they ever got born again, they really had no great purpose in life. They just thought they'd be a farmer, they'd be this, that, the other. They really didn't want to be anything. And they thought, well, they'll just get a job that exists, they'll make do, they'll get married, have a, have a wife and children and so on. And they really never had a great purpose. Now the reason of that is because their purpose is not identified in this cosmos order. I don't know who I feel the most sorry for, those who have no purpose at all, or for those who have their purpose in cosmos, and then when they get born again, they never actually realign that purpose to the divine call of God. But they just realign the cosmos purpose and think it's supernatural. Now that's a terrible thing. Believe me, as a pastor, I've dealt with many of those types of people and they never let God realign what their divine purpose is, but they take what their purpose was in cosmos and they bring it from the world order and they keep on doing basically the same thing. 
But we know people like Abraham, Noah, we look at Brother Branham, what God did for him, Paul, no doubt many of the men of God in the Bible, and they were not people of great wealth, most of them. They were not people of great objective, but once they come in contact with God, it's like their main purpose was now finally revealed. Before, they wasn't really looking for it. So Noah was just a farmer. Now, I don't know about you, I'm not sure that I would choose a farmer to build me a house. Now, if the farmer could build, but I've been around farmers all my life, and a lot of farmers that I knew was not great builders, not saying that there's not some that are not good builders, but most of them just never had time taking care of hogs and pigs and horses and cows and whatever more to really be great farmers. So whenever they'd, you know, a pig would break out and they would, would be able to fix the fence or put up a board, uh, not too many of them that I ever saw anyway use a level to level the board. Brother Phil, you would not want them working for you. Or some of you other brothers would not want them working for you because they were just not that type of a guy. You know, that old hog's made a matter and a hornet and they're ready to sell that old sow so they just tack a board up there. They don't care if it's level, if it's plumb, if it's square. That don't really matter. They're more concerned about her. But here God chose a farmer to build something that would be absolutely phenomenal for it to ever float. Now, many even to this day don't understand how it floats and how it floated and how they ever got all them animals inside. So it's easy to see from God's choice of how he would choose people to do something that it doesn't always line up with the mentality of people. So God chose a man that he's gonna make him the father of many nations and he chose a man that didn't have no kids. And he chose a man who was married to a woman that was barren. So you're saying, this is exact opposite. Right, now you're seeing daylight. This is exact opposite. Now if God would have chosen a man that had 42 wives, 397 kids, 313 grandchildren, 297 great-grandchildren, and 35 great-great-grandchildren on the way, it wouldn't be no great phenomenal miracle, would it, that God is going to use this man to be a father of many nations. But in Instead, he chooses a man that married his half-sister when they were both very, very young and neither one of them had ability to be able to produce a child. But then God meets this man and gives him this something that is beyond explanation. It's something that the mind can't even comprehend. And I hope I'm speaking to his kids today. Because you see, God has actually called you and I for the very same purpose. Now, many of us, maybe you can recall what your goal was. Many of you probably like me. You really didn't want to be anything. I was just a little hick down in Kentucky. Never really had any great plans of life. Never thought I'd be anything. Never thought I'd amount to anything. Never thought I'd get out of the state, really. Never traveled anywhere. Never done nothing. Just worked, you know, what little bit that I worked before I started started preaching, worked at a garment factory, worked at a hotel, worked at just some little different jobs, worked at my cousin, my uncle, in a garage and done just things. Didn't really want to be nothing. Didn't really want to mount to nothing. Certainly didn't want to travel around the world. Certainly did not want to be a preacher by no means. Did not want to do anything that I'm doing right now, but I'm sure glad I met God. 
Now, do I want to do his will? Yes, I do. Inevitably, I want to do what he wants me to do. Do I want to be a preacher as far as wanting to be one? No, I'd have chose a lot of other things looking back. But in reality, I would never be happy or be satisfied doing anything other than what God wants me to do. In spite of the burdens and the difficulty. Now, look, I'm getting to the age to where, you know, a lot of folks talk about retirement at my age. And they talk about retiring and being able to do this and that and the other. I'm under more burdens and load and difficulty now than I've ever been in my entire life. Something wrong with this picture. So you think, what in the world's going on? Well, some of you's my age and older, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. But we know that when we meet God, it puts our inside in harmony with a phenomenal purpose that we never embraced before. Now, sometimes Satan will mess us up and he'll set us on a religious avenue because he can see the supernatural hand of God pulling us in that way. So he'll try to confuse us by getting us to become a church member or belonging to a religious clan or group. And he'll do that to try to mess us up because he can see that God's gonna pull on us later on in life. But he still will not be able to mess up the purpose of God. So like Noah, many of us, like Abraham, many of us were the same way. We had no real goal in life. Real, what do you want to be? I'm not sure. What do you want to become? Not really sure. Uh, I don't know. You want to be be saved? Uh, I might want to be saved one day. You want to be a Christian? Maybe. Maybe I want to be a Christian, but I, I want to do this or that or the other. And then one day you met God. And then God phenomenally changed everything about your life. Then you find something begin to spring up like from within you that you didn't even know was there. Now you imagine this is a man who is a farmer. Now listen as the prophet goes on to describe him. He was a common farmer out in the field. Well, yep, sounds like a farmer. Out in the field and one day God met him. And he spoke to him and told him something that was impossible to ever happen would take place from that hour on. While Noah purposed in his heart that he'd build that ark. Now can you imagine a farmer? So God actually changed his vocation. Now, a rancher, you could understand. If this man would have been a builder and a rancher, because a rancher will turn his animals out and they will roam here and there and there, and then he'll go out and he'll round them up if he needs to change them from pasture to pasture. That's not a farmer at all. But a farmer gets out there and grubs around and digs around, you know, plants this and does that and the other. But Noah, all of a sudden, after meeting God, God changes is his vocation. So he goes in, and my hangs up his mattock, hangs up his shovel, hangs up his hole, hangs up his fertilized bag. Oh my, he retires his seed. And his wife said, what are you doing? Said, where's my hammer? Have I got a plumb bob? Have I got any nails? What do you need nails for in farming pigs, Noah? What, have I got a level? I'm, surely I've got a level around here somewhere. You don't use a level on hogs, Noah. You don't use a level. Well, I've decided I'm gonna change vocations. Well, what do you, don't you think you're a little old and light to do that? What are you gonna do? I'm gonna build a boat. i build a boat. There's not even any water around here. Oh, I ain't worried about that. God will bring the water to me. 
Can you imagine what he must have, the, the opposition even from his wife and from his sons now that are old enough and mature? And he goes in there and said, boys, we're quitting farming and we're going to take up boat building. Boat building as a profession? No, no, we're only going to build actually one. And then after that, I'm going to start gra growing grapes and all this and other. But I'm only going to build one boat. So we've only got one chance. We've really got to do this right. Now, something so happened inside of this man's soul that he was able to convince his wife and his sons and their wives, and they become a part of this ministry, if you will, and the message of that day. Why? Because he was sold on the purpose that God had called him for. Now, let me reiterate it to you. Noah did not need everybody out there to go along with him. Noah did not need encouragement from everybody out there. Noah did not need all of the make-believers, the unbelievers. He it would be a great encouragement to him, no doubt, if they would have, but Noah would do it with or without them. Noah's gonna preach. He's gonna do what God told him to do. Why? Because he has met his purpose in life. I'm convinced, friends, that many Christians around the world still have not embraced fully what they're supposed to be because one day they're ready to quit. The next day they're on fire with God. The next day, well, I don't know. If I'm supposed to do this, if I'm supposed to do that. Well, you need to resolve that with God and let that purpose be so solidified in your heart like Noah that if nobody encourages you, you're going on. If God reveals to you that Happy Valley is your church, if I don't shake your hand for 283 years, if nobody here in the church ever speaks to you when you come in the foyer, you know what? You'll be back every service. You'll want to be buried here. You'll want me to preach your funeral. Why? Because God has revealed to you this is your church. Well, if not, then you'll go from here to Brother Tim's and you go from Brother Tim's to Brother Ron's and you'll go here and there and everywhere you go, you're finding trouble. It ain't no wonder you're packing it in your briefcase. But if you find where you belong, it's the same way in your vocation of life of what you're supposed to do. If you're supposed to be a painter, get in there and paint. If you're supposed to be a hog farmer, farm hogs, brothers. We're not Jews, we can eat them. If you're supposed to be a cow farmer, do it. Find what you're supposed to do and do it with all of your strength and all of your might. Amen. Notice this, the prophet said, it was regardless of what all the fanatics said, why well, it never rained from the heavens, that never had moisture upon the earth. Now think of it, this man starts out with this and God has to explain it to him because he wouldn't have understood it himself. Well, God, why am I building a boat? Because there's a, we have this condensation that comes up from the earth because the entire earth was irrigated from the reservoirs that were in the earth. And God had these little streams or little outlets or pipes as it was and the bulk of the water was right beneath the surface of the earth and God would just cause the moisture to come up and it never rained one drop from heaven, never. But God told him, it's gonna rain. Rain, what's that? Well, lightning, lightning, what's that? Clouds, clouds, what's that? He'd never seen a cloud in his life. Well, lightning, thunder, you know thunder. Now, I don't know what thunder is. Well, lightning, the barometric pressure. What's barometric pressure? Well, when a low pressure system comes over, basically, Noah, that's what you've lived under all of your life. You've lived under a high pressure system, which has caused the global circumference of the earth to be this beautiful, beautiful rays of sun. So you've never experienced it. But what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna bring a change upon the earth. And for the first time on the earth, low pressure will start moving. What low pressure? What 
what's that? Well, what that does, it reduces the amount of friction and I'll start drawing water up from the condensation of the seas and I will loose the fountains of the deep from inside the bowels of the earth. Oh, you mean there's water down there? Yes, there's water down there and I will cause the oceans to begin to draw the waters from there and I'll break up the fountains from up here and the fountains from down here. No, don't get scared because you're gonna start seeing streaks of fire in the sky. Streaks of fire in the sky? Yes, streaks of fire in the sky and you're gonna start hearing this booming loud noises and that's gonna be thunder. Thunder, wow, this is absolutely amazing. So you see, we were the first one to hear the thunders. So you imagine now knowing he's doing this Sunday school lesson with his wife and his children. He said, now, it's going to rain. Rain? What's rain? So he goes telling them what God said. And it's going to come lightning. Lightning? What's lightning? Thunder? What's thunder? Well, if you were a part of God's move for that day, there was only one man on the earth, only one man on the earth that had the message of the hour. Now, if you wanted to be real fundamental and try to show how much you thought you knew about God and you wanted to walk up to pastor no and say I want a scripture I want a scripture that says it's going to lighten and there was none I want a scripture that says where it's going to thunder there was none but Noah was a prophet and he was made to catch the unwritten word of God praise the Lord I'm convinced, friends, part of the folks in this message don't really know what a prophet is. They think they do. They think Brother Branham was just another commentator. So if Brother Branham comments on something and they don't like it, well, they just do like to do Adam Clark and a lot of the other commentators. They just kind of put it over to one pile. If you knew what a prophet of God was, you'd handle his words a whole lot more careful. That's right, he's not a commentator, he's just not another preacher. He has the ability to interpret the written word and catch that from the mind of God, which is not even written. Hallelujah. Notice this, the prophet said it never rained from the heavens. They said it had moisture upon the earth. It was irrigated from springs. There'd never been a cloud in the sky. Never been a cloud in the sky. So the whole earth was under this high pressure. You understand what the millennium's gonna be, don't you? We're gonna return back. Eighth day, returning back. It was irrigated. How was he going to do it? Well, God said it was going to happen and Noah purposed in his heart to achieve this something for God. Now, not just something for God. Not just anything for God, but this something this something for God and he did it. No matter how much they laughed at him, how much they said this or that or the other, how is it going to rain? Where is it going to rain at Noah? I don't know. Well, show me where the rain is. I can't show you. But when the time comes, the rain will be here. That's right. He met God. Now, what does it do? It gives Noah, for the first time in his life, a divine purpose. So the divine purpose links up with the human purpose. Now, we are called unto an eternal purpose. Farming is not an eternal purpose. Raising children is not an eternal purpose. Oh my goodness, y'all got quiet on me. Being a preacher is not an eternal purpose. But in eternity, I was in his mind to be a servant of God, but I won't be preaching in the rapture, I won't be preaching in the millennium, but I will have that identity all through eternity. 
Now think of it, singers still get to carry out their call through the millennium and through the eighth day. Preachers get a great big retirement plan. Singers won't stop singing. Praisers won't stop praising. But preachers will stop preaching. So you see, in our lives, there are things that God has called us to do which will run out once we move into eternity. So we have one time to be able to fulfill them. So Noah will not be building another ark in the eighth day. He had one opportunity to build that ark, but it gained him a title and a resonance in the presence of God that whenever we meet him at that day, unless somehow we're changed away from that, and what are we we're going to identify Noah with the ark. Because his purpose was in time, fulfilled in time, but the fruit of that will be brought over into eternity. Now you mothers, God bless your hearts, you mothers that give birth to your children and then raise them being the fifth gospel, trying to instill in them the truths of the word of God, and yet you will not give birth in the millennium, you will not give birth in eternity, but those children of yours will be with you through eternity as part of your heritage. Why? Because God blends the purpose of time and makes it work into the purpose of eternal essence. Now think, Noah's message, Abraham's message, our message only dropped down in this loop that Brother Brown called it the loop of time. What's this in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 24? The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, surely... As I have thought, so shall it come to pass. As I have purposed, so shall it stand. That's no ifs, ands, buts about it. Let me read this quote, your brothers, prior to that. When God speaks to a man, he has faith and he has ambition and he has a purpose. When God speaks to a man, he gives him a purpose. When God speaks to a man, he gives him ambition. But notice this is different now than human ambition. And this is what it becomes so difficult for us to divide and separate the two. Because many people want to take their human ambition that they had prior to a new birth and they just want to wash it up a little bit and bring it into what they feel like now God wants them to be. And for years they squander their lives and they waste much of their time because they're trying to use the ambition they had before they were a new creature. But it doesn't always work that way. Well, I wanted to be top. I wanted to be number one. I want to be this. I want to be that, the other. God may want you to be on the bottom when you get your new birth. Well, you didn't like that, did you? When God speaks to a man, now notice what happens with this. He gets ambition, but when God speaks to a man, he gives him faith to do it, to accomplish or achieve what his purpose in life is. So here is our, our father's dowry to us as his daughter that he will call us to the divine purpose. He doesn't just make known to us what we're supposed to be, but he gives us ambition to do it. And he gives us faith that will help us accomplish that which father has called us to do. To achieve what his purpose is, what God called him to do. Notice again in Isaiah 14:27 for the Lord of hosts hath purpose and who shall disannul it and his hand is stretched out who shall turn it back 
no matter how difficult it might be in appearance, how incredible it might seem in its fulfillment, yet the purposes of God are formed with the knowledge of all the circumstances that will be around that purpose to try to hinder it. You see, when God calls you and I to do something, God formed that, of course, before the world began, but God knew the opposition. He knew the criticism. He knew all the things that would be around that purpose. Look at Noah. God knew the critics, the make-believers, the unbelievers. God knew the people that would laugh at Abraham, and God formed the purpose with that in mind. Now, this is my purpose. I'm going to make Abraham a father in many nations, but I also know before that comes to fruition there'll be people that'll laugh at him he'll go to the doctor and tell him he wants to start making payments on his wife being delivered and the doctor will throw him out he'll go down to say I want to buy some bird eyes, some baby's diapers and they'll throw him plumb out of the dollar general store they won't even let him come back in there and God knew that God knew that when you were called in this day to be a member of the bride of Christ he knew all the opposition that would be around you for some of you it was your wife, it was your husband, it was a family member, your church, or whatever more. And God knew that, and God still formed that purpose around all the opposition. Oh my. But God does something supernaturally in you in that he deposits a part of that purpose and makes it real to you. By doing that, it releases an element of his faith, listen, an element of his faith attached to your purpose. You see, it's not your faith alone that'll help you bring it to pass, but it's actually the attachment of his own faith identified with his own purpose in his own child, in his own time for his own glory. My faith and your faith, oh, it's, oh, I can't take it no more. I, I just can't take it. But when we get to that, oh my, what is it that comes in and undergirds us and helps us? It's the faith of Adonai. What's this? Brother Bam said, may you take me to record this morning, friend. Now I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to take this prophet of God to record. He told us to do it. There isn't enough power in all hell can ever defeat the purpose of God. God will do it anyhow. Now, granted, there's many things that you and I try and we may fall in them and defeat, but there's much of it that either we misunderstand his will or it was not part of his purpose. His purpose will not, never has been, never can be defeated. Notice this, if you haven't listened to this tape in a while, it is powerful. It's one called, I Know. It was preached in uh, 1958. He also preaches it in, uh, just briefly again in 60. But it's, a, it's an Easter morning service and it is full of wonderful things. Now, we want to draw this verse into our mind that there is not one thing that can destroy us until the purpose of he who created us has been fulfilled. 
Now, you sick people, you weary people, frustrated, whatever you are, let me just reiterate it to you and make sure that you understand it today. Your life does not belong to the devil. Your life belongs to Almighty God. So therefore, the devil cannot take you just as he desires. Well, the devil gets up in the morning and decides, I'm going to take Donnie Reagan. If the devil can make that decision, you honestly think I'd be 64 years old? I wouldn't be and you wouldn't be high roads you are either because he'd have took you a long time ago. But our life, oh, I tell you, the Lord spoke this to me this morning. I nearly had an old-fashioned Holy Ghost fit. A fit. Just sitting thinking about it. I am bought by the blood of Jesus. My life is his. My goal is his. My purpose is his. I am here to serve him. And the devil cannot take me until the purpose of Almighty God is finished. I don't care how much people like me or dislike me. I don't care what people say or what they do. Satan cannot take you and I from this earth because my life is his. Your life is his. The next time he tells you he's going to take you, bows up like a little baney rooster right in his face and tell him, my life ain't yours. You can't take me. Notice this, I'm gonna draw this first into your mind. There's not one thing that can destroy us until the purpose of he who created us has been fulfilled. There could be nothing. We are made for a purpose. No matter how little you are, how big you are, how important you are, how unimportant you are, you are here to serve a purpose just as my finger is here for a purpose. My nail on my finger is for a purpose. Any y'all ever hit one of them nails with a hammer, your brothers or your sisters maybe doing something? Isn't it amazing how we just take that little thing for granted every day until you hit it with a hammer? And you can tell by looking at it, you're going to lose it. And boy, you're dreading it's a badge. You can't hardly stand it. And then you realize how important that little fingernail really is, don't you? Well, you see, that's the way we are in the body of God. That's the way we are in the economy of God. There may be people, oh, we don't need so-and-so. Don't you say that. That ain't your place to say. This is the way I feel about Happy Valley. I want everybody here that God wants here. I want no more, I want no less. I'm not interested in gathering a big following. Surely you know me well enough that I'm out to know I don't want that. I want everybody here that God wants. And I say to every one of you, you are important. You are important in the family of God. Can the church say amen? Oh, but, but, but Donnie, I don't do this or the other. I'm not talking about what you're doing or not doing. Your value is given to you by the grace and mercy of Almighty God. 
Notice this, my nail on my fingers for a purpose, my eye, every part of our bodies to serve a purpose. It was not not put here to see what it would look like when it was put there. So notice the eye wasn't just put there to see what it would look like. Aesthetic, in other words. It's not placed there. Your fingernail is not there for an aesthetic value. Or your finger's there for an aesthetic value. Just to see what it would look like. It's there for a purpose. Uh, Notice this, and if we are put here for a purpose, then there is, everybody say it with me, nothing can destroy us until God's purpose is fulfilled. And the church said, notice this again, nothing can harm us until that purpose that God has put us here for hallelujah, has been made manifest. No matter how much trouble we have, how much heartaches or sorrows that we go through, all of these are reasons and there is a reason for it. God's purpose can never, I don't know that I've ever found so many quotes with the negative aspect of him explaining it, can never do this and never do that and never, I'm down through there, highlighting every one of them in this message. It's phenomenal. Negative has its place sometimes, don't it? God's purpose can never be defeated. There is nothing, never and nothing. So the next time old blabbermouth comes around you said, boy, I've got some nevers for you. I've got some nothings for you. You ain't never gonna stop me. There ain't nothing you can do to take me to a premature grave. You ain't never gonna take my joy. You ain't never gonna take my life. You ain't never gonna stop my purpose. There ain't nothing you can do. You can't harm one hair. How one hair on my head until the purpose of God is made manifest, and that's that. There is nothing can defeat it. So how happy ought we to be today? Not because you got so much money, not because you got a new car, not because you got a new house, but because Satan cannot take you. Praise God. How happy we ought to be today resting, I love the way he says this, upon that beautiful revelation of the word of the living God. Resting on that beautiful revelation of the word of the living God that there is neither things present nor things to come. The devil's, I didn't get you today, but I'll get you tomorrow. Nothing present nor nothing he can come up with tomorrow or next week or next year. Things present, things to come. Nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Things present nor things to come. No sickness. No sorrow, no death, no perils, nor nothing can separate us from the purpose of the living God. When God has imagined in his mind, hallelujah, what God
God has imagined in his mind, what God has purposed in his heart to bring to pass. There is no demon. There's no power. There's nothing that ever separates you from God's great, immortal, eternal plan. It must be as God has said. Don't you understand? You need this in your dowry. <laughs> I don't need to hear this in the millennium. I'll have a glorified body, Brother Danny. I don't need to hear this in the eighth day. I need to hear it this morning. Anybody else need to hear it this morning? Brother Donnie, I don't understand. He never said nothing about understanding it. I've learned to trust his heart even when I can't understand his will. Oh my. All powers of hell might wager against it, but it will prevail. What, Brother Jack? The purpose of God. We have God's eternal promise. There may be teachers, there may be isms rise, there may be great programs rise, there may be things that look like that it would be destroyed, but it can never be destroyed. It is the purpose of God to see that it will prevail. All of those who think they're gonna bring this message down, you'd be easier to remove the sun than you would to destroy this word. You'd be easier to launch a personal attack against the moon. I don't like the moon. I'm gonna take my gun out. Yeah, right. 238,000 miles from the earth. You think your 30 off six is gonna make a difference. You think your little old YouTube site and your little old website is gonna bring down a message that God ordained before the foundation of the world? You think you're gonna destroy men of God that were called to bring this word when God thought about it when there was no devil? then it's not up to me and it's not up to you. Whether it'll be destroyed or not, it's up to God. And we can rest assured on it that God will never let our heritage be destroyed. For it's his purpose to give it to us. Now he goes into some examples. This next quote here in paragraph 16, he's referring to the Hebrew children. God wanted to display his power and all Babylon and all hell could not defeat that purpose. No sir, no matter if they could have heeded that furnace a million, a million times hotter. Now they heated it seven times harder than it ever been hit before. But seven times couldn't do it, 700 couldn't do it, 7,000 couldn't do it, seven million couldn't do it. My, I remember an old, 
Brother Gene Terrell and his wife, Sister Jane, had got so sick. Brother Gene got sick, dealing with different things in his body. I called him up on the phone to talk to him. I said, Brother Gene, how you doing? He said, praise God, I'm doing good, Brother Donnie. You know he was. He said, I just got through telling the devil a while ago, is this the best you've got? Praise God. Is this the best you've got? Oh, you say, yeah, look out, he lost to what? Our brother and sister never lost. They moved beyond the curtain of time. They moved into a brand new body. Death cannot defeat the purpose of God. Oh, you say, Brother Donnie, Brother Gene died with COVID. Oh, poor old thing, poor old thing. Yes, we, we miss those who've died. And we miss those who died by other means. But apparently their journey was finished. It was their time to go. But the devil cannot strike you with flu or COVID or a car wreck or whatever until your life is finished. I know you think I'm nuts anyway, but this is the way I believe it. If you're flying at 39,000 feet in a 747 going over the Pacific Ocean and there's a terrorist on there and he jumps up and screams out, Allah Akbar, and pulls a button and that plane blows to smithereens. If it ain't your time to go, you'll be down there a week later. Hallelujah. They'll be sending out people and God may have sent a crow down to bring you a, a fresh sandwich every now and then and a little bit of water. There ain't enough powers in hell to be able to take you off of this earth, brother, sister. When will we stop being cowards and stand on the promise of God and say, my father brought me here and my father will take me home. All Babylon and all hell could not defeat that purpose. They could have heated that furnace a million times hotter. It would have never destroyed the purpose of God. God wanted to show that he was a God of deliverance. Glory be to God. I believe our God wants to show in this hour that he's a God of deliverance. That there ain't no way in the world he's gonna be able to show he's a God of deliverance unless he allows his enemy to attack his children. But it's all gonna depend, Brother Jim, on how we look at it. We can look at it and have the mama, you know, just be so sad and so sorry for ourselves. Poor little old me. Or we can look at it and say, praise God. My daddy's fixing to come on the scene. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to do it. I ain't even going to tell him how to do it, but I'm expecting him to come. I'm expecting him to come because I met him. I've got faith. I've got ambition. I've got desire. I've got a purpose, and that is to serve him. I'll serve him well. I'll serve him when I'm sick. I'll serve him when I'm up. I'll serve him when I'm down. It don't make no difference. I'm going to serve him. It's my purpose. And he'd bring deliverance 
to whomever he desired to bring it. And nothing would interfere with this program. There is no power that can take me unto God's purpose is fulfilled. We need to serve notice on hell. David said, though an army encamp against me, I'll prevail. You imagine an army against one man. Glory to God. There is nothing that can hurt me, not a thing, until God's purpose is fulfilled. And when that is fulfilled, I want to go with his purpose. Glory be to God. Then when God is done, what will God do? Drop it in the heart of a saint. It's time for you to go home, child. It's time for you to go home. I've seen many of them. They would just believe and believe and believe and trust God right down to a week or three or four days or sometimes two or three days. And then they'd tell me, Brother Donnie, I'm going home. It's time for me to leave. Why? God had dropped the final few hours. I'm thinking, Brother Randy, my goodness, every time I talked to our brother on the phone, he was so positive in faith, and it's like something just happened in the last little span of his life. What was it? Father had dropped them the final phase of the time purpose, and he was knew it was time to go home. So you're sick today? You're diagnosed with some horrible thing? What should I do, Brother Daddy? What should I do? Stand on your purpose until Father reveals otherwise. If Father wants to take you home, then praise God. We will rejoice in that. But until he does, don't you let fear tell you that. Don't you let the devil tell you that. You stand right there as a son or daughter of God and say, until Father reveals it to me, I'm going to keep on confessing by healing. I'm believing by his stripes. I am healed. When he's finished, then I am also. Brother, sister, you can't lose. So whether I go or whether I stay, I'm a winner either way. When he's finished with me, I'm finished with life. Goodbye life, goodbye bills, goodbye worry, goodbye Laodicea. But a real believer isn't finished until Father makes it known. Oh, we can get all down and depressed and say, I'm just ready to go to heaven. I'm ready to go to heaven. Yeah, you hear that a lot. All you hear is depression speaking. It's not that the purpose of God's revealed in that person's life. They're just sick of living in this old hateful age. I understand. I get sick of it too. But when it comes right down to it, I still get up. All right, devil. Come on. Why? 
because I ain't done yet. When I get done, I'll fold my arms in peace and say, back off, devil. You ain't scaring me. Come and get me. Come and get me because you are not my master. I am yours. <laughs> Notice this. Whether we are young or old, we don't know when God's purpose will be fulfilled and finished. God takes little babies sometimes to show that he can guide their little soul. Everything's done for a purpose. Can I have a few more minutes? It just goes to show that nothing can defeat his purpose, not even death. Lord children, how many of them have we buried over here? How many have we buried in Kingsport? How many have we buried down in Sulphur Springs? How many have we buried down in Jonesboro? Over a hundred and some funerals I've done since I've been with you. And if time tarries long enough, you'll do mine. Or you say he died and defeated, he died. I will not die and defeat. Death is not my defeat. It is my coronation day. It is not the door, hallelujah. It is not defeat for every saint of God that we rolled up here, but they were burst into a theophany body. And the purpose rolls on. Abraham was as good as dead. And Sarah's womb had been dead for 40 years or 50 years, but nothing can defeat God's purpose. Her body was old, it was wrinkled. The milk veins dried up. Her heart was so weak, it could not have went through labor. But God let us know that his purpose will not be defeated. He changed Sarah and made her a young woman again and took a man 100 years old and turned him back to youth. No matter how unreasonable it may seem, God gave the promise. Again, the Hebrew children, but Satan could not destroy them for God's purpose wasn't yet fulfilled. <laughs> they could go in there with this hope. I know that my Redeemer liveth. They could go in there with this hope here. We are assured that God is able to deliver us from this fiery furnace, but nevertheless, we'll not bow to this image. Satan could not. Oh my, I think I might preach this tomorrow night and the next night and the next night and the next night until you all get it. That he cannot, he's got you on bluffed out. He's got you bluffed that he's this powerful being that can do this and that and the other. He's lying to you. And the thing of it is you're believing his lies. He cannot do what he wants to do. He cannot take you when he wants to. Satan could not take them. He could not drown Noah in the flood. Until the purpose of God had been finished, he could not burn up the Hebrew children. 
unto the purpose of God had been finished, he could not kill Job with balls and troubles until the purpose of God had been finished. Neither could a lion eat Daniel until God's purpose had been finished. Neither could death and old age take Abraham until the purpose of God had been finished. Neither can it take you or can it take me until the purpose of God of our life is finished. Listen to this phenomenal statement. And why does God let troubles come? God harnesses trouble, puts bits in its mouth, and makes it obey him. And those troubles bring us into a closer fellowship with God. So here's trouble, aggravation, whatever more. God goes. God grabs that Holy Ghost bridle and puts it right in trouble's mouth. And then he leads him over to my house. Leads him over to your house. Said, all right, Donnie, I caught him, I bridled him. Now break him. <laughs> Boy, here I climb up, and you know, on the back of that old bucking bronco of trouble, on that old bucking bronco of whatever, he goes to bucking me around and throwing me around. Am I going to be a coward? Say, Ooh, well, I guess I ain't no cowboy. I'm a rhinestone cowboy. I'd have worked for Glenn Campbell, but not you, pal. We're in the soldier in the army of the Lord. He don't want rhinestone cowboys. He wants ladies. He wants young women. That when God harnesses trouble, he says, sure you go, young lady. And you say, I really don't want to do this, but here I go. And because you're a real lady, you don't climb up on that horse that britches on. Boy, here goes that bucking from. I'll get rid of you. I'll do this. And they say, whoa, boy, whoa, boy, whoa, boy. And you take him spurs of that Holy Ghost word and rub in his side. And he's realizing he ain't got no denominational layer to see He ain't got no church member on his back. But you've got your heels sunk in that saddle. You've got your toes aimed exactly right. And you're saying, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Glory be to God. God harnesses it. Listen to the way he contrasts this. There'd have been no rainbow until the flood came. But after Noah was pressed into that condition that he was in, to float 40 days and 40 nights in a storm, and the little ark pitching up and down in the water, it was after the flood was over that he saw the rainbow for its first time. Aren't rainbows beautiful? Don't we love them? You ever see one in just solid sun, high pressure, 
No clouds? Mm, can't work that way. It's got to work in them water droplets are present in the clouds in order to make that seven bow color reflecting. Notice, after Noah was pressed, to flow 40 days and nights in a storm, little art pitching up and down. It was after the flood was over that he saw the rainbow for its first time, the covenant of hope, the covenant of promise. After it went through the tribulation that he saw the promise, that's the way you see the promise. After you've gone through the tribulation. So whatever the tribulation of your life is, you know when you'll see the rainbow? You know when you'll see the fourth man? After. I know we want it before. We want it before. Here's the key. Let me close. We ask for comfort and peace. And God gives us the best he could give us. Trials and tribulations. Well, it makes you want to pray, don't it? Now, don't you try to work on God and use child psychology like you do on your youngins. Okay, okay, now see, if I, if I ask for peace and comfort and God gives me trials and tribulations, I'll ask for trials and tribulations and he'll give you trials and tribulations. Because <laughs> he knows most of us ain't gonna ask for a know-how. So no matter which way you pray, you're gonna get the same thing. Because that's what you need. He's not necessarily just giving us what we ask for. He's giving us what we need. Trials and tribulations, that's better than comfort and peace. Our comforts is just beyond the river. It wasn't until the Hebrew children was forced into the fiery furnace were the most outstanding trials and they see one like the Son of God standing among them. Their troubles produced the Son of God. Lord, children, their troubles produced your needs, your troubles will bring him on the scene like you've never seen him before if you can have the right attitude. Their troubles produce this theophanic appearance of the Lord Jesus like he had never appeared before. And their troubles produced it. Glory to God. Their troubles produced the Son of God standing among them in the breezes. Can you imagine? Breezes. Breezes to wave away the heat wave. So here's Jesus. And he didn't put out the fire, but he just produced that, that wind. Praise God. And he just blowed the fire away from them. He wanted them people out there to still see the fire. But they're inside there shouting, having a spell. They're in there worshiping God and praising God. Why? His presence. Their trouble brought his presence. His presence made their trouble bearable and made a miraculous testimony that has been preached for thousands and thousands of years. Let's stand. We ain't got time for me to finish. Let's stand.
their troubles produce the Son of God standing among them. And the breeze is to wave away the heat wave. But not until they went into the fire did that comforter appear. It was Daniel who purposed in his heart that he'd not defile himself with the things of the world and was forced through a trial, whether he'd pray to God or go to the lion's den. But it was after the heat was put on and he was thrown into a lion's den. After that, he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the midst of him. After. It was Abraham, after he'd seen the ground barren, the drought, lots separate from him. It was after he had heard the whines and cries of the herdsmen. Notice this story. One word, one word. After, after, after. Then here come the Lord God. Praise God. Don't be weary, friends. Don't be weary and well doing. Just keep on doing what we do. What do you mean, what do we do? We believe. We are believers. We just don't believe when things are good. We believe when things are horrible. When things are terrible. Terrible things do not change us from being a believer. That's what we do. We are believers. Word believers. Oh, the ground was barren and dry. The prophet said, I can hear Sarah that morning in the tent, kind of in the wrong temper, in the wrong mood. He said, little did she know, Elohim was just up the road with two angels. But it was after he was separated, Elohim come by. Maybe it's after your test, after yours, after yours. It's when you'll see the greatest manifestation of God that you've ever seen in your walk with God. And the thing of it is, nobody else around you may even know it. Some things God does, he does just for us alone. There's other things the Lord wants us to share and wants us to testify so people can hear and see what he's doing. And there's other things, it's just between him and you. My, there you are all chained up and you think, well, I'm a goner this time. I'm in so deep now, I'll never get out. And all of a sudden, you suck somebody turned on a fan, a Holy Ghost Son of God fan. And he goes to blow one, and the devil thought, boy, I've got him. Look at him. Them flames are coming close. And all of a sudden, here comes the Lord Jesus. And you just have such peace. The flames are still there. The people who hated you are still there. But he's testifying. He's keeping you by his grace. Think of it, friends. We've lived through Laodicea, hell on earth, for another week. And still got our minds still got our right minds our world's crazy politicians are crazy the people of the world's crazy it's evident it's evident the things we've preached about and talked about for years and years we can see it around us we are totally surrounded by insane people come Lord Jesus but it will be our trouble that will bring you it will bring our trouble the conditions of Psalms 27 that will bring the Lord Jesus for it's in the darkest hour that Jesus comes. So the powers of the world are gathering together. The people of the world hating the Jews, hating the bride, all this moving up. And when it comes right to the very time that Satan will try to shut her up, her troubles 
will bring the Lord Jesus on the sand. Praise God. Let's bow our heads together. Praise God. Oh, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray today, Lord, for your children. Not only those visible, but those that will hear this service in different parts of the earth. Dear God, you know the need of every man, woman, boy, and girl. Maybe there's some, Lord, they're just going through so much stuff. They just don't know how they're going to be able to make it another day. But may this be a little bit of encouragement to them, Lord, in two ways. To be able to know their life is here to serve your purpose. And no matter how much Satan would love to take them, he cannot. Our life does not belong to him. We are your children, not his He may treat his people like trash. He may do all kinds of things to his people. He may kill them. He may do this and that and the other. But he cannot touch yours. And he can only put certain things on us when he allows, when he's allowed to. And if he's allowed to, it's for our benefit and for your glory. No doubt the three Hebrew children must have pondered and wondered that day, what have we done to deserve this? We've been faithful. We've been true. But Lord, how many times have these three men's story been preached through the ages? How many times have these three men, they are known for one instance in their life, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. We don't know if they were married, if they had children, how long they lived. We don't know hardly anything about them other than they were faithful and they believed your word. We don't even know the end of their life. We don't know any great other great steps of faith they made. They are made infamous. Down through the ages, they've been preached because they stood for you one time. And right here today, we have once again got encouraged by our brothers who was willing to stand for you thousands of years ago. Then, Father, may we take from this principle Satan cannot destroy us until you're done. May we also take, Father, also from this principle as well. It will be after we've come through the trial that the rainbow will come. Carol and Eric and I driving down to Nashville on Wednesday, coming down through Cookville. Rain had come through and some storms, clouds still there. We looked over to the left-hand side before we got into Cookville, and there was a rainbow, beautiful, beautiful rainbow. And Erica said, look, there's another one. Two rainbows, one right under the other. We saw it for miles and miles and miles. Thank you for that, Lord. I just needed a little something that day. Thank you. It reminded me of one of my older brothers. That day when he must have been so sad and worried, as he looked out the window of that ark, and he looked out there, and there was the bow set in the sky. I do remember my covenant this day. Lord Jesus, I pray you'd minister to every heart today, Father. We love you. Help us, dear God, to be strong, to be faithful, to stand our ground 
on the promises of God. Hallelujah. How many wants to be that type of a believer? Just in recognition of what you've heard today in the presence of God, would you just raise your hand? Lord, you see my desire? I want to be that kind of believer. I want to believe you. I want to be the kind of person, Lord, that my trials can bring you on the scene. I don't want to be the kind of person that my trials destroy me. But I want my trials to be able to bring you on the scene. And after my trial, I'll see healing. After my trial, I'll see a miracle. After my trial, I'll see deliverance. After my trial, I'll see my son saved, my wife saved, my husband saved. After my trial, my daughter will give her heart back to God. Grant it, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Let's have faith this morning, children. Whatever you have need of. Well, I know you got plans this evening afterwards and so on, but let's just wait a minute. Let's just wait a minute. Let's see what our Papa will do. Hallelujah. If you're sick, if you're weary, if you're down, whatever you have need of, I believe he's right here this morning. I believe our God is not just a God of the Word, but he's a God of manifestation, a God of the supernatural, a God of healing, a God of miracles. Let your faith reach out. He's passing your way today, Bartimaeus. Have you got faith to say, Jesus, stop by this way. You don't have to say like Bartimaeus did, son of David, but call him by your claim, Jesus, my husband. Jesus, my redeemer. Jesus, my God. Jesus, my king. Hallelujah. I've got a need in my body. A need in my home. Don't pass me by today, Lord Jesus. Let my faith stop you. Praise God. And if the time is right and I'm at the end of my trial, may you speak my deliverance. May you speak my miracle. Let my body from this day forward usher in the miraculous power. Praise God. Praise God. Don't rush him now. Let's just believe. Let's just believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Have your way to move right here, Lord. Bring healing. Bring deliverance. Oh, Jesus, not that it'll make us appear great or appear that we are something. You don't heal to make us look like something. You heal to prove your word. You move to prove your word. But we want fertile hearts that'll be able to receive that word, Lord God. Minister now to the needs of your children, Lord. I'm crying, Savior. Oh, Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. 
But Brother Donnie, I've tried so many times. Yeah, I understand. That's the way that poor man was there at the pool. The Bible says he would oft many times get into the water, but those who was a little bit more capable would beat him in. But the Lord Jesus was led by vision. The Father led him there, and that man laid there, crippled for 38 years. And he said, would thou be made whole? He said, well, every time I get ready to get into the pool, somebody gets in my way. That wasn't what Jesus asked him. He asked him, could he believe he could be made whole? Well, Brother Donnie, Brother Darrell ain't here, but Jesus is. Well, Brother Donnie, my mom ain't here, or my favorite preacher ain't here, but Jesus is here. I'm not asking you if your favorite preacher is here. I'm not asking you that. I'm asking you, do you believe we serve a resurrected Savior who is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Brother Joel, let's just sing that together, can we? While on others thou art calling. Lord, don't pass me by. Praise God. I'm crying,
so many times I've questioned certain circumstances and things I could not understand. Many times in trials, weakness blurs my vision and my frustration gets so out of hand. Well, it's then I am reminded I've never been forsaken. I've never had to stand one test alone. And as I look at all the victories, spirit rises up in me. And it's through the fire my weakness is made strong.
Christ alone. In Christ alone will I glory, for only by His grace I am redeemed. And only His tender mercy could reach beyond my weakness to my need. And now I seek no greater honor than just to know Him more and to count my gains as losses to the glory of my Source 
that come through here and I'm so thankful we have folks to, to come when Brother Donnie can't be here but there's just one pastor God gave us a wonderful pastor I appreciate the gift just wanted to welcome all the visitors hope you enjoyed the service this morning remember the service Wednesday night I think Brother Josh Collins has family here God bless y'all and welcome and the Johnson family back with us again this morning good to see you you folks in service with us just to, Let's just go this morning. Let's continue to sing that song as we go. He's got it all in control. Well, he's got it all in control. He's got it all in control. He put that reassurance way down in my soul. 
He's got it 